0: grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Abner Mayers is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mayers, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and family life, and being a husband and a girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mayers wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Welcome to episode 222 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I am not joined by Princess Tomas today, because today, well, there actually is no live recording. But as a special bonus podcast for this week, where Francesca and I already talked just a few days ago, and we have La Liga getting back into action, Barcelona versus Hadafe this weekend, and then you know what's coming after that. It's the Champions League, then the following weekend El Clasico and Aventa. So there's a lot going on, we got a lot coming up, but today, I was able to last week have a conversation and it was me as the guest on The Best Soccer Show with Jason Davis, where they also have a show on XM. They're on YouTube. They're everywhere you may find it. So I'm actually going to hand it over because, again, Jason Davis interviewed me all about Serginio Dest. And for those who may not be necessarily interested in the American aspect perspective of this because that's what this was this is about Sergino Des moving to Barcelona filling in some things and we did have some stuff that I don't think I had even said on the pod before about Sergino Des personality and all those different things so again for anyone interested in just continuing to get to know Barcelona's first American signing ever stay tuned for this interview here because it was a good one.
1: Okay, we're here on the best soccer show from the stands joined by Dan Hilton from the Barcelona podcast, which you can find at dot and obviously wherever you get your podcast. Dan, how are you
0: doing pretty well today, Jason? Thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate you coming by. All right, so we're we're doing these series of episodes where we're focusing on all of this young American talent that is rising in Europe at the biggest clubs in the world, Weston McKenny at Juventus and Giovanni Reina at Borussia Dortmund and Christian Pulisic at at Chelsea. But now we have another to add to the list after his move to Barcelona, Sergino Dest. Uh, First of all, was Dest a name that Barca fans were even thinking about a couple of weeks ago before this all kind of came together?
0: Yeah, I actually would say it was. Just the connection between Ajax and Barcelona being as deep as it always has been. I think Barca fans and Kool Aid usually have about half an eye on some of the talent that's up and coming through Ajax's system. And with Barca having such question marks at the right back spot, with Nelson Semedo for three seasons never really fitting in, and then Sergio Roberto being a natural midfielder, he's been playing right back since 2015 when Luis Enrique moved him back there, but he's never really been or had the ability to be a top-top right back, because, again, that's not his natural position. So I think with Sergino Dest in particular, he was a player not because he was American, obviously, but that Kules had had some idea of because of their connection to Ajax.
1: Okay, and and, and the Ajax connection is deep between those clubs, and then, obviously, you have a manager now that... uh, You know, has the Dutch background has been has has recruited Sergino Dest for the national team before. Um, He ultimately chose the United States, which we're happy about. But he he was there with the Dutch national team trying to get Sergino Dest to declare for them. So this, I imagine, is kind of marriage of those Ajax connections, but also having uh, Koeman on, who who is obviously an admirer of Dest.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that Koeman he does follow obviously in that long line going all the way back to Renus Michaels and Cruyff and Johan Niskins, And then you follow through to the Komen on the Dream Team and then the De Boer Twins. And these are just some of the names. There's tons of Dutch players and the Dutch connection between Barca and the Netherlands is is quite solid. But all that said, you know, bringing in Des to Barcelona from Ajax, you wonder what kind of role that Ronald Komen actually did have. Now, I'm an American and a Barca fan in, in two. And I really believed at the start of both of these things that, That Sergino Des would originally be a player for the Netherlands just because of how sought he was. And for those who might not know his history, he's been recruited to the U.S. basically from the U-17s. And that's where he's been working his way up in the the U.S. system. But I really would have believed that he would have chosen to play for the Netherlands if he really had a shot to break in there. And he would have chosen Bayern Munich this summer, who had both the better financial offer. They had just won a Champions League and they had a team that does develop their talent a little bit better, and North American fans will know Alfonso Davies. So I really was 0 for 2, but as far as my heart goes, I'm 2 for 2, and I wonder if Coleman honestly did have a say, because Dest, for being connected to America with his his American father and his Dutch mother, he was born and raised in the Netherlands. He is a Dutch player. He's plays. he been in the Ajax system since he was 11 years old. So I do think that Coleman did have some kind of pull, and I do honestly believe that he, personality-wise, it's funny. I was reading in The Athletic. All his different youth coaches all kind of said that uh, they said he was different, but not in almost like it was not really a compliment. It was so much of a he seems to just be a peculiar personality. And I think that kind of self-belief was one that when certain players say, I have a dream club and this is my dream club I want to move to, you know, in, in football, especially in today where money and agents you know they rule the roost more than actually listen to a player. Yeah. A lot of people say that's my dream club, but when Des said my dream club is Barcelona, he was w- one of those characters and personalities that maybe we should have believed him.
1: Yeah, that definitely came through. I think and you you watch the the social media stuff and the video and and his Instagram or whatever, it, it definitely seems like, and maybe that's what it is. You know, when you have that deep connection between Dutch football and. And Barcelona, I imagine when you're a little Dutch kid, yeah, you want to play for Ajax, that's the biggest club in the country, but you ultimately want to go to a place like Barcelona and say, I play for the same club that Johan Cruyff played for, and that has all those deep connections. So I I, I, I think that's sort of fascinating from this, and I wonder if it makes it a little bit more intense for a 19-year-old making this move, especially considering this moment that, that Barcelona's in, Dan, because it's not the most stable club at the, at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, again, the argument as a Kool-Aid that if I was Dest and I'm looking at the two sporting projects, this summer I would have picked Bayern Munich, obviously. But for Dest... There are both positives and negatives to the moment that Barca is in right now. We don't need to really talk about Messi here. You can, I we've been going on and on about that, but with him saying this season, there is a mix of of youthfulness and in the squad, and there is a mix of the old veterans that have been there for a while. That yeah, they know how to lose in the Champions League, but this is also a group of professionals that won a lot of Champions League. That main core of Busquets and Pique and Messi, and they are still really uh, around to be those mentors. But this squad is so, so young. Even, I know we're going to talk more about his debut in a second, but even with his debut, he comes on for Jordi Alba, who went off injured. And he's playing on the left side as a left back. But in front of him is 17-year-old Pedri. And Mm -hmm. 17-year-old Pedri just came over. He is going to be, he's a player that just came over from Las Palmas as well for around €5 million. And Pedri, again, is a player who's two years younger than Dest. And now they're working against each other on the left, uh, working with each other, rather, on the left side against a Sevilla team who should be top four in the league. So that just tells you that there is a youth movement that he's going to be a part of. But then the other part of that is that youth does make mistakes. So having all of that young talent and Coleman having to deal with the expectations of the last year of Messi and obviously Koulet, you can't lose one match before you have your your coaching and your managing career question. So all of that pressure. But he does seem, as we talked about, a personality that is not going to feel the weight of playing at Barca as much as you'd think he would.
1: Hey, that's interesting. Now, obviously coming in, as a left back and and replacing Jordi Alba because the injury maybe that wasn't the plan. I mean, obviously he was available, so and they, and they dressed him, so it, it really some thought that he could play, but he had only just arrived in midweek before this this match, and left back is maybe an interesting question to ask because. When I was just kind of sketching out a possible U.S. men's national team for the November window, I threw him in at left back because he's capable of that. And because I feel like the U.S. men have more options at the on the right side and left backs always been a problem for the U.S. men's national team. I had a lot of pushback from people, Dan, who said, oh, no, he's a natural right back. Why wouldn't you start him there? Throw in Anthony Robinson, who we don't have to talk about, who's at Fulham and play Dest in his natural position. And, and I would love to do that is. Is there a sense that Barca is going to just throw him in where they need him? Or are they going to try to lock him into a a singular position? You already talked about right back and the, the uncertainty there.
0: Well, so far this season for Coleman, he's instituted a pretty rigid 4-2-3-1, which is already basically the first time he's been getting some ire and some consternation about his his ideas. Because Sevilla and Lepertegui did figure out that no matter who the personnel are that comes on, as you know, with La Liga also as the rest of world football having those five substitutes that he's really just going plug, to uh, plug and play, rather, with personnel. So for that 4-2-3-1, that so far, Coleman has had the right side, which has been Griezmann as the, the right part of that the middle three, if you will, with Messi as a false nine. And then Sergio Roberto playing, and those two have kind of stayed at home. And then the left side with Fati, who's has three goals already in the early season through three matches, just 17-year-olds himself, by the way. And then Jordi Alba behind him, that's really been the marauding side, with Frankie de Jong kind of shading over a bit and adding that help and creating an overload on the left side. So if you're actually tactically going to put Dest into that Barca lineup, he would be more comfortable at the moment to kind of just get off the plane and jump in on the side that is overlapping and does fit mm-hmm. naturally what he's been doing. Uh, and if, if Greg, if Greg Berkholder decides to do the same thing with the men's national team and says, okay, maybe we'll stay at home on the right side, and then whoever it may be, it seems to me that again, following the U.S. team, that. There's an abundance of left wingers. And so you might almost do the same thing, that if if, if Berhalter as well is going to do a four two three one, then maybe you do kind of strong side that left side of the field. And I actually do think Dest does fit there. And as far as his weak foot, and we'll speak about Conor De La Frente in a second, those two have tremendous opposite feet, if you will, or weaker foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it I, I think that as far as left back or right back, for Barcelona at least, Looking at the left-back position, you have Junior Furpo who is yet to impress from Real Betis after a whole year at the club, and there is no backup right-back. So Des nice. might honestly just be the backup fullback, if you will, playing the left or the right okay. whenever you need to rotate the normal starters of Alba and Roberto. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And that's American football. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Online.
1: I also think that you know the the, the modern game, uh, playing opposite your dominant foot is you know that's commonplace. I know it's more commonplace for wingers than, than maybe it is for fullbacks. But you could you could argue that having sort of an inverted fullback on that side, especially if you play Christian Pulisic up uh, in that four position on the left hand side, if if Berhalter decides to continue with the 3 I mean this is also part of what you're talking about with the difference in tactics. But if he if Christian Pulisic is out there, regardless of what the formation looks like, we know the Pulisic case is killer. Isolated one v one on that left hand side, kind of moving parallel to goal. If Dest is is drawing defenders and and filling that space inside of him, or Giovanni Reyna is obviously able to kind of bounce around too. This is getting very speculative, by the way, Dan. Um, I think that could be very interesting. I mean, if and again, if if Dest is a threat, a true threat with both feet, then you keep you keep defenders guessing. You keep that that you keep those other teams that you're playing unsure of where he's going to make his runs.
0: Yeah, certainly. He is electric with the ball at his feet. And the worries for the men's national team and the same ones that Barca fans should have is that defensively, he's still a 19-year-old. When you look in the mirror, that's that's what he is. And so defensively, you do have some questions there. But you don't want to create a system that, that works particularly for him. But if you can put him in a position to succeed, which I obviously, it's in the best interest of both Coleman and Berthusel to make sure that you have the best wing back. I mean, truly, I mean, and Alba has kind of lost the step. Alba's still much higher than Dest on the depth chart. And you could say the same thing. Roberto is an established professional, and Dest, again, is still a 19-year-old who was the backup, we should say. He did get some starts last year for Ajax in place of Mesraoui, who was out for much of the season. But Dest wound up being the number two when all the chips had to be pushed onto the table for Ajax in their season. And for Dest, if you can get the best out of him uh, and allow his talent to be able to nurture it in the way it has without kind of making it all about him, Leaving him on an island, I think, is completely fine. He has also showed that, and I I know we all go back to the highlights of him against Alfonso Davies when they were playing for U.S. and Canada, respectively, Uh, but Des does have a little bit of that edge. He has a little bit of meanness to him as well, and I think that does come along with his personality of, really being unafraid. And as a fullback, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be quick. You're going to have to make up that space. And I think Dest has all the physical tools, at least, to do that. And it's now on Coleman and, and Burhalter to continue to nurture that as a player that is already showing great promise.
1: Let, let me ask about the arrival again. Let me go back to him getting to Barcelona. And gets he gets off the plane. He's walking through the terminal. I'm assuming that's what that was. And there's a crush of press. And there's and which is great. I mean, obviously indicates that he's a high profile enough signing that there's some interest in him. And I know that, again, the moment at Barcelona is part of this. But there's one person with a camera and I don't want to say journalist because I'm not sure who says, are you the new Danny Elvis? Is that is is that real pressure? Do you think that that's something that uh, I mean, he doesn't seem phased by it. But is that is that where the bar is at Barcelona? You better be Danny Elvis if you arise, arrive as a, as a fullback.
0: Yeah, I think it is unfortunate. And this is. Uh, kind of the plight of being a Barcelona fan in this stage in 2020, because the team has done so well. And I even saw it today, I think uh, it was Ballon d'Or, whatever it is, Fr- uh, French football came out with their, their list of their all time greatest players. And Danny Alves wasn't even one of the top 10 right backs, which is completely absurd to me because you could make the argument that when Danny Alves played for Sevilla, he played almost as a, he played as right back sure, but he really was an attacking midfielder. He was just so important, arguably the best player in the Liga before he came to Barcelona. And then at Barcelona, he does certainly establish himself. He's the winningest player as far as trophy count in the history of world football. And so, obviously, Dani Alves is the peak. He is what any right back who, particularly those who are the overlapping, the marauding type, that's what everyone would aspire to be. So, obviously, no player can reach the the likes of Dani Alves. And obviously, you've also heard any player who come from La Masia who is able to score a few goals when they're 15, 16 years old becomes the next Lino Messi, whether they're from Japan or wherever it may be. They wind up getting that that label. So Dest, obviously the goal and of any player in his position would to be Dani Alves and he's going to get compared to Dani Alves from day one. It's a toxic situation. That's what it is. Fati, 17, is going to wind up needing to take over the mantle of being the superstar. Jorge Mendes is his agent so he's going to have to be not the next Messi but he's going to have to be that next superstar, super superstar, if you will, at Barcelona. And that's again just the price that these young players do pay about mm-hmm. signing up to play at the camp. No, that the the lofty expectations are always going to be there. And as I said, Des has shown us that he might have rubbed a few of those rigid Dutch coaches at the youth international level uh, at the, the wrong way. But that kind of confidence is absolutely 100 percent necessary to play for the Bloggrana. And then again, the fans, particularly those on the Internet. I, and I think this is a big, as you know, too, on, on Twitter, social media, wherever it may be, the, the fans on Twitter are not the same, especially for those in Catalonia. They're just they're different people. They're different fans with different expectations. And sometimes we on the Internet kind of forget what the people who are actually around the club and actually at the stadium really think and feel and see from these players.
1: Yeah, that, I think that's obviously uh, something to keep in mind here. Um, so he arrives at Barcelona. He turns down Bayern Munich, which certainly is, you know, that it's uh, bound to make Barca fans feel a little bit better about their situation, and he, he was highly rated, and he comes in, and he's a U.S. international. And, you know, we've already talked a little bit about his background, and I think there's it's worth pointing out that he's not American-made as much he is as he is an American. But what does it mean to have a, a U.S. international at Barcelona? How, much, how big of a deal is it? How much do you think the club will actually kind of highlight the fact that he plays for the U.S. men's national team?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they will. He is the only fifth American player to play in the Liga, it was Casey Keller, Josie Altidore, Villarreal, I remember Shaq Moore for a brief stint at Levante and Anewu back in the day. So th- being the fifth American is a big deal, being the first one to debut for Barcelona. And again, I'm, I'm biased here as well. But having Conrad De La Fuente, one of his, as we've seen, good friends uh, at that level, will also inject the team with an American flair. Sure. But as far as what it will do for American soccer, I, I I'd spoke about this last week that I think it just raises, continues to raise the ceiling on American soccer as a whole. But when it comes to shirt sales or marketability, I'm not sure how much the club is actually going to lean in as much as they've already been leaning in. In 2016, they opened an office in New York. They have the Barca Academy is the biggest one in Arizona. So even uh, the another potentially uh, U.S. or potentially Mexican prospect in Julian Araujo, the LA Galaxy, if I remember right, he had been at the uh, the Academy for a while before moving to the Galaxy. And so I think that the, uh, the American imprint and what they're trying to do uh, or sorry, the Barsa imprint on what they're trying to do in America, I think has already begun. And so as I said, Dest, I th- I truly believe it. it isn't just a ploy. We've seen that Barcelona. Uh, we talk about the issues that they have in terms of some of their transfer business. It's been, I'd say, pretty dastardly for the first the, the last few years. But Desch is clearly a player that was bought for sporting reasons and not just because he's American. But I think the biggest issue that still exists for the Liga in the states winds up being the accessibility as far as TV contracts, as far as coverage. Where the uh, I mean, whether or not we want to say the Premier League has been hurt with the the the, pe- the Peacock deal and having to the over load of games there and not subscription service, but NBC being connected to the Premier League and then the Bundesliga being connected to Fox Sports for all that time and now ESPN, it just has so much of a better foothold as well as all those Americans in the Bundesliga and obviously the connections of English to English speaking uh, yeah. as far as the Premier League. So the yeah. Liga have been a, a, a league that is still trying to break into the American market. And I think Dest will certainly help that. But I'm not going to say just like with the men's national team, just because we have a golden generation, we still missed the last World Cup. And the same thing goes for Dest. He is merely, I'd say, one of the big dominoes in helping La Liga get more popular in the United States. But you're going to need another generation and a bunch more players and a bunch more marketability and then league coverage and all those things. That Again, I can't give an easy answer because there's so much nuance yeah. to it. And things take time as well.
1: Well, I do think you need a World Cup, right? And then we've said this about Christian Pulisic, too. As, as, as big of a name as he is in European soccer circles and, and as big as that transfer was from Dortmund to Chelsea... what it means and everything and and the 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 talent he clearly has and he can be a game changer for a perception of american players and maybe be the, the the player who breaks through in the united states into mainstream stardom in a way that no soccer player has that's that was you know that's from here um you need a world cup because that's what americans pay attention to right they don't pay attention to world cup qualifiers or the gold cup or The Nations League, whatever that is, they pay attention to a World Cup. So we have to wait until November of 2022 for Des to be on that stage and knock on wood, the U.S. makes it in order for him to sort of become, oh, there's an American at Barcelona. Let's pay attention to Barcelona.
0: Yeah, I think it is where you kind of care about a league, and it's what I always tell people, that you got to just find a league or find a team and watch that team, and you put your focus there. So for La Liga, and I think, uh, unfortunately, in America, it just doesn't get the credit as a league that it does, but uh, even Haddafe, which is a team that you might see in the Europa League, they've been making it, but they're a defensive team. But if you put Haddafi up against, I, I'm I, off the top of my head, I'm just trying to think of a defensive team, like a, a Burnley, if you will, in the Premier League. Haddafe plays just as well as Burnley. It's almost a similar system. Yet you look at the American audience and what we and the way we perceive Burnley, we would never put them together. But Haddafe is again a Europa League side that plays a very similar brand of of soccer, and you can enjoy them in the same way. I mean, if that's what you're into. But you know, Hadafe is antithetical to what I, I enjoy about most, about the about the game. But yeah, there are so many teams in La Liga that wind up having quality and wind up having top players. And it just doesn't get the same attention. And I think that is a little bit unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. There isn't a, there isn't obviously, and you know, this there's a community of people in the United States, soccer fans in the United States who do gravitate towards Spanish football for those same reasons that that English speakers gravitate towards the Premier League. It's the that that league is it's the top league where everything is conducted in the language that they speak or their 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 first language. So I think there's obviously something to be said for that, too. And I know this isn't we're not focusing on Conrad Del Fuente, but his being a Miami kid who comes through the youth ranks at Barca, who now has arrived and maybe getting a, ch- a look. I mean, who knows? Uh, you can tell me, Dan, what his actual prospects are. But he would certainly be much more monumental for the reach of Barcelona in certain parts of, of American soccer or American sports culture than maybe Death. And it's not like Barcelona is n- not a well-known name anyway. They have the best player in the world.
0: Right. I mean, I saw a study done in 2018 that Barcelona, as far as foreign clubs, has the most name recognition and the most soccer fans of America are aware of FC Barcelona. And on the point of Conrad del Fente, sure. I mean, I have to also mention that uh, for your listeners who I, I think he was kind of in the background and say, well, he's still in uh, La Masia or he's trying to break into Barca B. And he was in that list of wingers with Yanez yeah. and uh, th- that kind of ilk of players who uh, is, is kind of breaking through in the next one in line. Now, I, I know Linez has scored at the international level already, but for uh, Del Fuente, I mean, I saw him as many did at the U-20 World Cup. I followed that up by watching him in the UEFA Youth League. And he was a player that I was a little worried about his weak foot. I was a little worried about his decision making in the final third. Where he had this ability to obviously on the left wing with, with his right foot to go at go at defenders one on one. He could win those battles or get to the, the goal line, but then what would happen next? And we saw that at the U twenty World Cup, where, you know, I, I obviously is a big fan of not obviously but I'm a big fan of Tab Ramos. But Del Fuente's decision making even at that stage was worrisome. And in the UA three youth league, he looked like a player that for Barcelona, your chances of making the first team from La Masia are what, two percent? uh, depending on the kind of talent. And so for him to wind up, having watched him all that time, I thought that he was a player that was going to wind up being discarded. or uh, He was certainly going to be a professional. It was a matter of where. I thought he would wind up being in a first team somewhere, whether it was a Liga or beyond. But now to see his last year where he has just, I mean, his weak foot has gotten better. His decision-making has gotten so much better. In the Barca B, they, they wound up sticking in the third division, but they had a playoff. To, to make the second division, which they wound up losing in the final. But De La Fuente was arguably their best player on that run to the uh, Saguna Division Bay final. And I really like the fact that Coleman has been very honest and saying what he likes about him. And he likes that his decision-making has gotten better. And now he's a player that, in Kool-Aid circles, you could argue that could potentially fashion as a left back as well. If mm. you're going to have that left side of the pitch for Barcelona be a, uh, a marauding side. I'm not saying that he's going to get any more than two to seven appearances this season. But for where he was two years ago, if you told me that he was going to get two to seven appearances for Barcelona's first team in 2020, 2021, I would have been completely floored. So his progress in the last two years, I would say, I mean, this is a hot take coming from a Aid, but I think that Colin Fente has maybe made the biggest jumper, I, I would argue is in the top three or four jumps of any player in the US pool just wow. in the last two seasons of where he was when I saw him at 17 to where he is at 19. It's, it's a pretty incredible leap.
1: That's 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 certainly fascinating. I mean, I think you, you, it makes sense that that's what happened relative to sort of how quickly he showed up on the radar after we didn't know a whole lot. And or we weren't hearing constant mentions of him. And even it's even interesting when you consider, say, the history of Ben Laterman at La Masia, Dan, because I remember lots and lots of talk about this kid from California, 12 years old or whatever, going to Barcelona. And my policy at the time was, well, I'm not going to really talk about a kid who is still a kid, and it also you know, still a ways off from being a full professional. But if he shows up as a full professional, okay, let's talk about him. And then De La Fuente, as you said, sort of in the background coming along, the, the idea of him making two to seven appearances this year, is that what you would think is best for his development? I mean, if Korman wants to keep him around because he likes what he does, but he's not going to play, is that really what we want for a player of his age?
0: Yeah, well, I think the first point to answer that is actually answering it through the lens of of Liederman. Is that when when Liederman went to Barcelona, I mean, midfield, when it comes to La Masia, is the most contentious and most difficult spot on the field to break through. And then he gets hit. He was one of 11 players to get hit uh, when Barcelona had that transfer ban. So he yeah. winds up having to come to the US. And so his story was, I think, quite different than De La Fuente's because he had that passport. Uh, passport, De La has just been able to work his way up through the system. And obviously, we know with youth football that if you're a winger and a talented winger, that's your best opportunity to break through. That's why Fati was able to break through at 16. Now, he's also a very, very special talent, but same thing with Pulisic. Reyna, attacking midfielders and attacking wingers, they're the ones that are able to break through at much younger ages because that's just the way that football works. So I think with De La Fuente, Two to seven appearances for the first team will, I don't think, ruin his development at all, in that he was supposed to be a pivotal figure for Barca B, and Francisco Pimienta, the manager there, I really, really like him. Uh, whether He just doesn't have the name cachet to wind up taking over the first team, but he is La Masia, he is Barcelona style of play, and they call it the Barcelona way, with a little bit of a, we'll say, you know, our noses up in the, up in the air a little bit, but Pimienta always does teach that way, and I trust a talent like De La Fuente with Pimenta. So if he is a main player for Barca B in the third, Spanish third division, which you could argue he should be playing at a higher level, sure. But I still think if he makes a few appearances with the Barcelona first team, he's in training. Obviously, he's playing with and against the likes of Messi and Piquet and Busquets and De Jong, And that just makes these guys better players. That's what it is. I mean, as much as he might not be playing for the first team, he's still just 19. So, as far as Barcelona's track, if he makes those 20 to 25 appearances for Barca B, winds up scoring around, what, nine to 15 goals, and then makes a few appearances with the first team as he's training with them regularly, that is what he was supposed to do this year. The fact that he's even around the first team and we're considering him to be on the field, uh, as I said, is just uh, beyond what. I expected when they even begun preseason. He and ES Moriba, who is the highly paid midfielder, still 17 himself, but he's been put with Barca B and somehow De La Fuente has continued to stick around again, which continues to shock me.
1: Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, again, Connor Delafuente um, is a player to watch at Barcelona and we, we could have two Americans conceivably at, you know, line up at some point or on the field together at some point this year, but this is a lot about Serginho dust. And I think it's easy for an American soccer fan to go to jump immediately to Alfonso Davies when talking about fullbacks because he's Canadian, not American, but he came out of a system that involves um, American teams. We kind of think, okay, well if if Canada has an Alfonso Davies, do, do we have one of those? Is it fair to judge Dest on on Davies' rise at Bayern or are their situations different enough? I Maybe mean, their skill sets different enough. Alfonso Davies is one of the fastest players in the world that you you kind of need to hold hold back a little bit on the expectations for Dest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think because as you talk about the physical tools of Alfonso Davies, things that you certainly just can't teach. So, Des, I think, is going to have a little bit of a more learning curve. He might have some issues, but honestly, the things that you see in his game. By the time he is 22, 23 years old, you are going to be talking about a world-class player potentially. And I know that it's almost trite to throw that word out like that, but Dest has all the tools and it really is going to be about development in a way that Davies, because of his physical tools, and again, a ton of credit to, to Hansi Flick and what they do at Bayern Munich in terms of cultivating their talent in the way that it did, the way that he moves from the left wing. Uh, that being Davies back to left back, and the ways that he's able to use his pace to make up for those. But again, that 4 2 3 1 system also supports those runs that Davies makes. And when Bayern Munich have had their issues this year against even last week when they lost to Hoffenheim, you see kind of the flaws of what those wing backs are. And so Davies, even he makes a few mistakes, but his speed allows him to make up for those mistakes a little bit better than Destwell for at least the first two or uh, I mean, one or two seasons as he's really getting accustomed to it. And the other difference too is that with Bayern Munich, The way they play their system, they're trying to get, they don't put talent on the field that isn't ready to go. And these locker rooms do work very similarly, where there are personalities at Bayern Munich where Neuer or Mueller. They will eat you alive if you do not bring it on the field. And Barcelona can be very much the same way, where Messi, Piquet, even Busquets, they seem that they're a little softer and maybe uh, Piquet's a little goofier and Busquets just seems a little more of a, he, he wants to give you a hug more than Muller does. But those guys are ruthless as well. Mentality is so important. And so for Des, it's going to be about sticking on that path and just understanding that his physical tools are great attacking, but defensively, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. So as I said, it's going to be tough. I wouldn't compare the two just because the timeline is different. Then Bayern was ready to insert Davies in the way that they did, and they were understanding that he was the player who was going to be in that position. And for Dest, he's with a team that I know Barcelona is expected to win the Champions League every year, but they're a team that are arguably in a rebuild, that are trying mm-hmm. to work through some things and some of the demons and some of the scars of the past few seasons that they're trying to work through. And Dest is a part of that project. As opposed to where Alfonso Davies has already won the Champions League, and it's weird to me to say that comparing Barcelona and Bayern Munich, but it's it's the state that we're in.
1: Yeah, it's it. it they're, they're not, I mean, we are not gonna you know we're not gonna unpack everything that happened to Barcelona, but and people have been following, but obviously Messi was the catalyst for a lot of the the concern and the the upheaval that's that's going on and so give us a as we get ready to close this out Dan just give us a thumbnail sketch of where the club is with that process and with Messi saying he wanted to go but he couldn't and now you know there's a a, a vote that could could change the leadership in the club early next year where are things with Barcelona and and how does that impact their ability to compete you know in the upper echelon of European football where they obviously want and expect to be
0: yeah, well, Barcelona before COVID, uh, there's that gif of the uh, the community gif where the uh, where he walks into the room with the pizza box and everything's on fire. So <laughs> if you would expect Barcelona what they were for about the last two or three months or even going back six to eight months, that's basically the situation in the club. They spent a lot of bad money, whether it was Coutinho, Griezmann, just inflated prices, uh, basically since… Neymar left in 2017, and uh, I, I'm, it's odd because that's when we started the podcast as well. The dominoes have continued to fall to put Barcelona in a pretty nasty situation. And the president, Josep Bartomeu... There's a motion of no confidence going out against him. The earliest that elections could be is March, but if this vote of no confidence goes through, then he could be forced to resign almost immediately, and that will change things. Now, the new coach that's coming in, uh, we don't know who that is yet. Obviously, well, it's Coleman now being the coach, but there's a new board, and right now Victor Font is the presidential candidate who seems to be the favorite to that. He says that he wants to make Xavi basically the the— center point of his project and development and players like Dest are going to be prioritized. So I would say that even if this year winds up working uh, out in a poor way, that even if Ronald Coleman is gone next season and he's replaced with Xavi or whoever it may be that uh, supports this new president or supports this new board, that Dest could succeed under Coleman because Coleman wanted him. And then next season, when it's all about the way that Dest plays and trying to cultivate that kind of talent and younger players who are going to play, we'll say, quote, unquote, the Barca way, I, I think that Dest is actually in a good situation. We just can't hit the panic button with him as the club itself continues to go through these issues. Now, Dest, fortunately for him, and again, this is a big thing where he was basically able to sneak in. When we talk about his deal, if reports would be to believe that Ajax, who had a better financial offer for from Bayern Munich... Mark Overmars, a former player for both Arsenal and Barcelona, he agreed to have Barcelona pay desk, the, the Dest fee over multiple seasons, where it's $5 million euro, I believe, this year. And then Barcelona will continue to pay, and they have all their financial issues. So for Dest, my hope is that this new board kind of takes over, because at the moment, if I was Desk and I had been around the club for a year, I would actually be worried this board, who is uh, trying with all their might to sell off players and reduce salary and reduce fee, uh, weekly wages, if you will, as fast as possible. So I think Des is young enough and brought in with such a purpose that he's going to be able to sidestep. We'll say a lot of the times in that guillotine is going to continue to fall at the club for the next few seasons. So for everybody, I would say just Barcelona fans and Des fans, just be patient. He is part of a longer project that I hope that he is a part of for many, many years. So I'm very optimistic about at least his future at the club. Uh, and who knows where the club will be in a year. Uh, just like it is with Hollywood paparazzi and media, Barcelona media and the drama surrounding this club is always at its nadir. Whether it was Kubala or Cruyff, there seems to always be drama surrounding Catalan uh, media and it's Spanish media at large. If we think that English media and American media is knee jerk, you have no idea. Yeah. Spanish media, <laughs> it's constant. It is every hour on the hour. And that's what we're going to deal with. And we're going to find out if Dest is two minutes late till training, then we're going to find out some kind of secret conspiracy about him and just expect those stories to come and then ignore them because it just means he had a bad performance. And this is just a reaction to that. So I would say be patient, be calm. And same thing with the us we miss a world cup but take a breath everything is going to be okay
1: dan hilton from the barcelona podcast you can find them at barcel you could follow dan at hilton d13 on twitter dan thanks for jumping on and, and talking Sergio Destin in barcelona with me
0: thanks a lot jason great work here really good show
1: thanks for listening to from the stands for the best soccer show thanks to dan hilton from the barcelona podcast for coming by and giving us his thoughts on Sergio Dest, and a little sprinkling of Conrad De La Fuente, who I have discovered wants to be called just Conrad. That's fantastic. The Best Soccer Show will be back on Monday morning with a brand new episode. If you want to listen live to us record that episode, maybe give us a call, throw in your thoughts. You can listen on Sunday nights on our YouTube channel. Go search for The Best Soccer Show. And while you're searching for things, go find us on your favorite podcast app or podcast catcher and give us a rating and review especially on apple podcast it helps us out a lot gets us a few more people paying attention to the fact the best soccer show is back thank you to everybody who's supporting us already if you want some extra content we throw out some extras every week and we have a slack for all of our besties go to patreon.com slash jd and the rod in order to join up again thank you very much to dan hilton thank you for listening thanks to the roadiest i guess and i'll talk to you guys next week
0: thanks once again for Jason Davis having me on the best soccer show again you can find that wherever you get your podcast and again Jason Davis can also be found on Sirius XM YouTube wherever you basically find any soccer media particularly American soccer media you'll find Jason Davis so I want to thank you as well our regular the Barcelona podcast listeners for tuning into this you can tap in your app check out the show notes you know all this social media on Twitter at the Barcelona pot at Hilton D13 for me closed Facebook group that's where we got the deeper dives and discussions from La Ronda earlier in the week and the Patreon is what helps us keep this show going so you can also find us on youtube the barcelona podcast you know we're there check us out hit that subscription button. and thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon for the barcelona
1: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently